Welcome to the Facts Over Fandom Show. My name is Brandon Podgorski. I am your host. Thank you for joining us. As always, I am excited to talk with you on this Friday. And hey, I got the show out on time today. Uh, my goal is to get the show out at 6 a.m. on Fridays. Sometimes it's a little bit easier said than done. If you've listened to the show before in the past, you know... This is my busy time of year. I'm a professor. We're heading in to our last week of class and, and finals. Uh, I'm also working on my PhD. I co-host a sports talk radio show on Saturday mornings, not to mention trying to make time for my family and working with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society as a visionary of the year. I got a lot going on. I got a lot going on, but I love doing this show because there's always something coming up in the news and we're talking about sports and this show in particular a little bit different show when we're talking about sports we're looking at the intersection of sport business and culture and that culture component i am going to talk quite a bit about today because i saw um i, I saw a couple articles yesterday that really caught my attention and you know that's just because i'm a man and I work with young men every day. And so I have a heart for young men. I've always had a heart for, you know, mentoring, uh, discipling young men. And there were a few things that caught my eye that, you know, I, I felt we needed to discuss. And there's going to be some intersection with sport, certainly. But um, broader, there's broader cultural implications going on with young men that I think we really need to talk about because rightly, um, we're seeing a, a lot of we're seeing a spike in depression with women. And that's happened over the past 10 years. And, you know, rightly, we are researching that, but we don't see a whole lot of research for men, especially for young men. And there's things that I've been seeing that's now being confirmed by research. So we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to talk about how that intersects with sport a little bit. And I want to get into that first. Again, welcome to the show. Please, if you're listening, uh, listen to us on Spotify. If you're watching, you can check us out on YouTube. We're also on Rumble. We're on all the uh, platforms. We're on all the um, podcasting platforms. But if you're going to listen, we ask you to listen to Spotify. That's kind of our preferred platform. And as we think about, you know, ways to possibly monetize the show going forward, Spotify is kind of our, our best platform, but we're still a ways away from that. I do have some ideas for the show coming up in the summer when I have more time to invest in it, but I'll leave that for another time. Um, you can also check us out on social media. Again, I've been doing an awful job. I'm a one-man show. One man. I don't have anybody helping me out with this, as you can probably tell by the quality of the show. Um, like my head is kind of floating right now. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I'm just doing this from a laptop with a mic. That's about all all you're going to get from me. Um, but, you know, it, it's just me. So um, I wish I had kind of a, a team helping me, but I kind of do it when I can and, and um, you know, just kind of do it as a hobby just because I enjoy it. But that's why you haven't heard a lot from me on social media, just because social media takes time. And I just have not had a lot of time recently. So, um, you know, that's why we've been a little MIA there. But I try to check in from time to time and, and try to post when something um, interesting, I think, ha happens. So uh, but you can follow us on Instagram and X. I think I got it right this time. Not Twitter, but X. Elon, if you're listening and Elon, if you would like to invest in the show so we could get a staff, you probably got the scratch to do it. We'll give you some 
some publicity, but check us out on Instagram and X. you too, Zuck, if you're listening, help us out. Um, we are at FOF underscore show at FOF underscore show. And before we get into our topic, I do want to share, um, we do have a merch show, uh, merch shop. You can check us out at crossroadshirts.etsy.com, crossroadshirts.etsy.com. Um, we've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers. Um, check out this sticker here. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, wouldn't this look great on the back of your laptop right there? You know, hey, you can, if you, if you order it right now, arrive soon. Order it by now, you're going to get it by Christmas. Let's take a look. I'm going to uh, click on the shirt. Let's say you get the t-shirt. What's it say? Get it by Christmas. So if you order now, you could have t-shirt, hoodie, sticker. You could have the whole Facts Over Fandom shaboom here if by Christmas. And nothing, and I mean nothing says I love you like a Facts Over Fandom sticker for your loved ones laptop. So something to consider there. Uh, please check us out. I'm going to talk more about this as we go along um, here in the next couple months. But I mentioned Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. I've been nominated as a visionary of the year, and I'm very um, happy about that, very excited about that. And we're going to use this show as a vehicle to fundraise. And and hey, let's let's stamp out some blood cancers. Let's do it together. And the proceeds from or, or a portion of the proceeds from um, our merch shop is going to go to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So not only could you have the best in sports fashion apparel, but you're also going to save, save lives. So something to think about as we go forward. Okay. So addiction, sports, athletes. We could probably spend weeks, <clears throat> excuse me, upon weeks on this topic because there's so many things with addiction and athletes that kind of coincide with each other. Um, if we're just looking at college athletes, okay? um, college athletes, and in, in we can look across races um, as well. It really doesn't change anything. And so I, I kind of dug into the numbers. Um, the number one addictive um, uh, substance that they abuse would be alcohol, marijuana, being number two, um, chewing, spitting tobacco, being number three. And then after that, there's nothing that's really, <clears throat> in my mind, completely statistically significant, but but alcohol being number one. So we could talk about all those things and we can certainly, um, you know, maybe in an, a later episode, get into that. Um, but again, talking about culture and young men, I want to where do I want to start with this? Um, I want to start off first with this article by Jonathan Haidt. And I saw this on X yesterday. And again, he really concentrated, he, he makes it a point to, to explain that we've really kind of concentrated on depression and women. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. I got a, <clears throat> thank you. You got a bit of a dry, <clears throat> excuse me, bit of a dry throat here, but we really have kind of concentrated on the mental health crisis in women. And we really haven't talked a lot about young men, especially like teenage boys. So he's coming out with a new book. And I kind of want to give you the overview that he provided yesterday with some of his researchers, give you a little bit 
of the statistics and what they found. Then I want to talk about an article that came out on OutKick yesterday with Gen Z in sports betting. So first, let's jump into this article by Jonathan Hyde. I got to take another drink. <clears throat> this always happens whenever I'm about to start the show, the throat, throat goes dry. <clears throat> so let's let's jump into it. He said since 2015, he's been trying to solve a mystery. All of a sudden, around 2013, so about 10 years ago, rates of depression, anxiety, and self-harm begin ra rising rapidly for American adolescents, those born between 1996, um, and or I'm sorry, born in and after 1996 Gen Z is kind of what we're looking at here. They have the worst mental health of any generation for which we have data. And that's going back to the great generation, born 1900 to 1925. And you think about the greatest generation, you know, they lived through the Depression, right? They lived through World War II. You think about baby boomers, lived through Vietnam, lived through gas lines, in the 70s, you know, my generation living through 9-11. Now, I'm going to say my generation's had it pretty great when you think about economic prosperity and how it really took off in the 80s and how um, wages have risen exponentially. Now, have they kept up with inflation and the cost of living? Maybe not as much, um, but we're more connected than we ever have been before. We have the greatest technological advancements than we've ever had before. We've had more opportunities than we've ever had before. And this continues to grow and grow and grow, but yet we're more depressed. Right? There's more depression. There's more anxiety. There's more self-harm. And this is happening to our children now. Right? So let's jump into a little bit more, right? So again, 2013, and if I'm looking away from the screen, it's just because I got my second screen up here <clears throat> with the uh, articles in, in, in my notes here, right? So in 2013, we start to see this sharp rise in adolescent depression, right? And so what stands out is the trend for girls. And like a hockey stick with a bend that begins at 2013, it just kind of goes boop and then up, right? Um, and what is it about 2013? And that is the year that Facebook bought Instagram. And with so much publicity, girls of all ages flocked onto the platform. And in graph after graph, his researchers, they found sharp increases in poor mental health for girls around 2013. And what they found is that girls who are heavy users of social media were three times more likely to be depressed than non-users. While boys, however, there was no sign of harm for light use and heavy users were only twice as likely to be depressed as non-users, which is still a pretty big number, right? So, you know, they were they made the conclusion that social media harms girls, um, even though the mechanism might be well-meaning, but things like social comparison, easy sexual or early sexualization, perfectionism, cyberbullying, uh, relational aggression, and emotional contagion, right? Great. So we solved the mystery, right? Well, not quite, because the boys were not showing those trend to depression as much as girls. So what's going on? And so the depression rates for boys went up, but there wasn't that elbow with the hockey stick, 
right? So maybe boys use social media less than girls do, or it's less harmful to them. So um, maybe the focus should really kind of be on helping girls. Um, however, what these researchers found is that they were looking at the wrong variables in that the collapse of mental health in boys, it's driven by different social and technological factors compared to girls. And I promise this is going to make sense. And we're going to relate this back to sport here um, pretty soon. So on any measure related to anxiety or depression, girls have higher absolute rates, often two or three times higher. Uh, for suicide, however, it's opposite. Boys rate much higher in the highest, and their high rate is the deepest sign of a crisis for boys. So while girls might have more anxiety or depression, report more anxiety, depression, boys are reporting um, higher rates for suicide. But if we go back to that change kind of around 2010, and again, 2013 is where we start to see that big kind of elbow, right? Um, depression for girls was up by 145%, while boys, 161%, right? So for girls, it's been large, 145%, but for boys, 161%, right? So it's actually slightly larger um, than for boys, right? Um, so we want to understand why this is happening. Right? And so what they looked at was the actual variables that we were looking for in girls and boys. And in girls, I think they found it. But for boys, it was a little bit more layered and they really had to dig a little bit deeper. Right? So for boys and young men, the key change has been a retreat from the world, real world since the 1970s when they began investing less effort in school, employment, dating, marriage, and parenting. And I want to, dating and marriage are, stick out to me. And again, I'll explain why here in just a little bit, right? So they show another graph. And in this, it plots the percentage of American high school seniors who agree with the statement, quote, People like me don't have much of a chance of a successful life, unquote. And as you can see, very few girls agreed with that statement back in the 1970s. People like me don't have much of a chance at a successful life. And girls and women made progress relative to boys in school and employment, and that line actually stayed low. It wasn't until girls' social lives moved onto smartphones and Instagram in the early 2010s that they were feeling much more pessimistic about their lives and themselves. For boys, though, the pattern was different. Right? More boys than girls were pessimistic in 1977, and that number rose gradually and fairly steadily. So for women, it was lower and it stayed pretty static. For boys, that number continued to rise since 1977 until about 2011, at which time it was much higher than the rate for girls. After 2011, pessimism surged for both sexes and girls started to close some of the gap. But the trend for boys has a longer backstory. Again, to go back to that quote, people like me don't have much of a chance for success at life. And, and kind of looking at that pessimism, it goes back much longer for boys. So the male crisis didn't begin on the day that boys traded their flip phones for smart 
smartphones packed with social media apps, as this article is saying. Boys started to become more pessimistic around four decades ago, although the trend has accelerated in the years since everyone got a smartphone. And there are structural factors that caused this disengagement for boys from the real world, such as economies shifting away from manufacturing, in which male strength is a huge asset, and toward the service sector, where women have some advantages. <clears throat> what these research researchers added to the analysis is the role of digital and entertainment technologies in pulling and keeping boys away from the real world. So I'm going to scroll down towards the end of this article. Boys are in trouble. Many have withdrawn from the real world where they could develop the skills needed to become competent, successful, and loving men. Instead, many have been lured into an ever more appealing virtual world in which desires for adventure and for sex can be satisfied, at least superficially, without doing anything that would prepare them for later success in work, love, and marriage. And all of this withdrawal happened before the arrival of the metaverse, which is just now taking shape, and before the arrival of increasingly compelling, witty, attractive, and customizable AI girlfriends. The virtual world is becoming ever more immersed and addictive. Every year, it will pull harder and harder on boys, urging them to abandon the real world. We've got to make the real world more appealing for them. The mental health crisis affecting Gen Z is amongst, among the most serious of the serious problems we face in America today, according to these um, researchers. So I want to dig into that today in kind of the intersection of the virtual world and its effect on boys, because I've been in higher ed since 2007, and I really start to see a change 10 years ago. It was about 2013, 2014, where I started to see a change. And I started to see a shift in young men from pursuing women, from pursuit, from being a hard-charging, career-driven person to more that was much more interested in like escapism, into things like um, video games, online streaming, and specifically online pornography. And I think what I anecdotally have seen is starting to come out now in the research. And so I want to go now to this article from Outkick. <clears throat> Outkick coverage, um, kind of a, a website or, or, or a site uh, headed up by Clay Travis. And, and they look at, you know, they, they get into the culture things um, quite a bit. And, you know, whether whether you like him or, or you don't like him, and, and I understand a lot of people don't like um, Clay Travis, and, and you might have your reasons for that. Um, but I did think this article was, was interesting here, right? In the title of the article, Gen Z men are betting on sports instead of having sex, buying homes, or marrying um, this Oracle of Wall Street claims. And so during an interview with CNBC, uh, Gen Xer Whitney explained why DraftKings um, particularly is experiencing massive growth. And what this article is relating, an interview um, by this um, lady Whitney, uh, who people call the Oracle of Wall Street, um, on gambling and young men. 
<clears throat> so this goes on to quote her. It's all young men betting on betting on sports. And I dovetailed that with Pew Research, which says that 63% of young men are single. And that's the highest it's ever been. So I think we're talking about young men, probably about 29 or below. And that's the highest it's ever been. And 50% of those young men have no interest in dating, even casually. So if 63% of young men are single, and we look at like half that number, so what, 31, 32%, they're not interested in dating. That means one in three young men, let's say 29 and below, 18 to 29, 18 to 30, whatever. One in three of those are not interested in dating casually. We're going to go on. 30% of young men said they haven't had sex in over a year and don't seem to care. Um, she continues and they ask her about housing. You have the lowest household formation growth rate in over 60 years. And so you have young men who don't want to date and young women who are spending their time with Instagram moments going to Taylor Swift concerts. So they're not getting married. Um, and she continues, 74% of the housing stock is owned by people over 50. 90% of housing is owned by people over 40. So when these people want to sell, which I feel they'll want to sell with a vengeance next year, she says, who are the buyers going to be? I think that home builders are smart. They're building a lot of rental properties. People are not going to be buying into these bigger homes. And over the long term, owning a home is always going to be cheaper than renting because renting prices go up and you can also pay off your mortgage. Uh, okay. So let's continue on some of the research that the author, uh, I think it was Joe Kinsey, puts into this article here. He says, look, she's not lying about young men not caring about sex, which in turn has a trickle down effect into marriage statistics and birth rates. In a February report from Psychology Today, the news outlet noted the Pew Research data Meredith mentioned a staggering 60 percent of men under 30 are single. Sexual intimacy is at a 30-year low. Um, while Whitney credits sports betting, Psychology Today says the COVID era disrupted uh, college-age dating and accelerated women's reprioritization away from intimacy and towards academic, professional, and financial goals. So we see a couple things going on. Men are becoming addicted to the virtual world and the access of pleasure they can get virtually, not in person, right? Not physically, but virtually. I can get on my phone and I can gamble and I can win money. I can get on my phone and I can have a new woman every night and I don't have to have that commitment and I don't have to have that fear of rejection. And so they started getting away from women. And now women, right, they've reprioritized. So instead of wanting to get married and, and build a fam family, build a home, right? They've reprioritized to their academic, professional, and financial goals. And we see more women than men are enrolling in college and earning degrees, both undergrad and graduate. We see the rate of women in the workforce starting to get higher and higher and higher to the point where it's starting to get equal with men if it hasn't already overtook it. Right? And I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm not saying that women should not pursue a career or that it's bad that they're pursuing education. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying we've got a crisis with our boys right now, especially with our young men. And I'm seeing it in person. Okay? And so he goes on. Uh, at the same time, men, according to the psychology experts, have turned even further away 
from real life relationships and into the virtual world. The men are betting, watching TikTok videos, using Pornhub. And as one academic noted, they're getting a lot of their needs met without having to go out. Okay. So what's the solution here? Um, they quote a author from Psychology Today, and he says it's past time for young men to step away from their devices and into real life dating situations. It's time to brave rejection for a chance at romantic relationship and reach their fullest potential. I don't disagree. I, I certainly um, agree that that's the that that that's a solution, and. I, I want to be careful because I don't want to, you know, to call anybody out and, and you know, I don't want to, um, you know, rail on, I, I don't want to be specific. So I'm going to be very, very general. But again, haven't been around young men for the past 15 years in a professional setting, 16 years in a professional setting. Um, these last 10 I've really seen, it's just kind of remarkable. I've seen men just kind of show no interest in in dating, no interest in pursuing women, um, much more interest on sport, watching sport, engaging virtually with sport, much more in, in, in a lot of the ways through gambling, um, much more interest in online pornography and I'm, I'm thankful I've never seen that, but I hear conversations. <laughs> I know what they're into and it, and it's fascinating to watch young men now be in a situation where there's young women and almost the indifference that they have and there's no pursuit. And it's fascinating to see young women now really the way that they kind of present themselves as, okay, fine. I If you don't care, I don't care. And I'm going to reprioritize my efforts other places, kind of like that article talked about. And, you know, declining birth rates are not a good thing, especially in a country that where your retirees and your older population depend on social security. You know, a thriving um, populace is needed in order to continue kind of the economic growth and the um, just, I mean, and, and not only to mention just for our species to continue on as well. Um and I, this is not good for our culture. You know, it's good for people to have goals and to have jobs and to have careers and, and to be career motivated. I think those are great things. But along with that, with not wanting to pursue relationships with women, I've seen men not have that aggressiveness towards their careers as well. Young men, they're more, eh, you know, whatever. Whatever happens, it'll happen. I don't care. Well, <laughs> success isn't just going to drop in your lap. You know, you, you can't play Call of Duty eight to 10 hours a day and then expect that dream job is going to happen for you. 
You know, you got to go and you got to work for it. And so it's almost as if men have just kind of been neutered. And it's really disheartening to see. I was in college 25 years ago. Um, you know, is, is when I first went into college a little over 25 years ago and, and been out, you know, um, over 20 years. And just in that time, from when I was in college, um, it was there was a natural competitiveness of men, you know, for jobs, for for women, for status. And while you don't want to get caught up in those things, that aggressiveness and that competitiveness, it's healthy because it helps men drive to reach their goals. And we've seen that men, that depression in men, because they feel like they can't get ahead, has started since 1977. And it's continued to rise and rise and rise. And I think there's a lot of factors on that. And, and I'm not a sociologist, but I'm just telling you what I see every single day. And I think we're a culture that has empowered women to the detriment of men. And what I mean by that is that the empowerment of women is important and needed and something I certainly support. I coach women's athletics and I, I think they, it was a little bit more fun at times than, than coaching men, quite frankly. And I had, I had a blast and, and those women I got to coach. Um, it, it's just been remarkable to see what they've done now post-college. And I would go to the mat for any one of them. Absolutely. hundred percent. And I love the fact that they're, they have the equal opportunities as men, you know, but along with that, I think what we did was instead of continuing to, to develop our boys, boys kind of got left behind. And with that, that sense of, um, aggressiveness and, and wanting to achieve goals that also started to wane as well. And we need both. We need both men and women out in the professional space working together. We really do. And I'm not advocating that young men need to go out and be sexually promiscuous at all. Do not interpret what I'm saying as that's what young men need to do. I am not saying that at all. And I'm not uh, um, a proponent of, of sex outside of marriage. I mean, that that's a faith thing with me, right? But what I am saying is that a man with no direction, a man with no desire, other than I'm just going to sit on my phone here, or I'm just going to play video games, is useless. They're not providing or contributing anything to society. And that's what we've started to allow with our young men. And so I want to go into some statistics here with gambling because I'm starting to see, so I'm going to bring it into sports now, and I'm starting to see, you know, I think online pornography has been an issue, but online sports gambling is the next thing I see, and it's already here, um, that's going to be really destructive for our boys. Okay. So I'm going to focus a little bit more on kind of college students here. Okay. 
But some statistics, 23 million Americans are in debt from gambling. Uh, almost 3% of adults are addicted to gambling. 2% of adolescents are addicted to gambling. And adolescents with gambling problems, they're twice as likely to use illegal drugs and binge drink and three times as likely to get in trouble with police. 72% of NCAA Division I football and basketball athletes engage in some form of gambling. I'm going to say that again, 72% of NCAA Division I football and basketball athletes engage in some form of gambling. Gambling on sports, gambling period, is illegal in the NCAA. 72% of men are doing it. If you get caught, you're going to get busted. You might not um, be able to play anymore. 12% of male and 3% of female college athletes have problematic or pathological gambling problems. And these stats are a little bit old. Um, this was pre, I think maybe pre 2020. Um, so we're looking about 2008, 2019, uh, 12%, I would say is probably pretty low. Six to 8% of college students are compulsive gamblers. 20 years ago, a 2003 NCAA study showed that 35% of male athletes and 10% of male athletes bet on college sports, and approximately 60% of NCAA Division I and 40% of NCAA Division III athletes didn't even know the rules about the NCAA and gambling. So if you're an NCAA athlete, March Madness comes around. Let's say you're D3. You're not even non-scholarship. Um, March Madness comes around even as a walk-on right, um, in D1. And you want to participate in a March Madness uh, pool with your buddies, can't do it. Now, if it's free in an online type of thing, you're, you're probably going to be okay. But if you want to do five bucks in, can't do it. And that, it could take away your eligibility. So what are some um, characteristics of compulsive gamblers? Their boastfulness, arrogance. They have optimism, external competitiveness, maybe some intelligence. Um, but I want to show talk about how wagering impacts well-being. Um, within the past year, about 25% of male and 5% of uh, female student athletes uh, reported wagering. Now, that's just those who actually self-reported. About 10% of male athletes have reported doing it once um, once a month or more. Um, let's see. 4% of male student athletes who gambled in the past year reported one day gambling losses of $500 or more. 26% uh, of male student athletes reported sports wagering as their first gambling activity. Student athletes who wager on sports place their first bet before entering college. And again, doing it online has made it so much easier. And I understand that there are some um, safeguards in place, but those are not foolproof. And I love this stat. Almost 50% of student athletes, 50% men, student athletes who bet on sport think they consistently they can consistently make a lot of money on the activity. Let me say it again. About 50% of males um, are student athletes who bet on sports that think they can consistently make a lot of money on activity as compared to 23% um, for women who believe the same thing. Right? And that like men, one and two. Oh yeah, I can do this. Listen, man, Vegas was not built on losers. You're going to lose. Go back to one of our earlier episodes where I, um, with the title, The House Always Wins. You are going to lose. It's set up for you to lose. Um, 
I think this is low. Again, this was done, I think, around 2020. But um, student athletes who reported wagering on a sport placed their wagers electronically. 32% of men uh, do it electronically. Um, student athletes who think sports wagering is a harmless pastime. Uh, those figures are 76% um, for, for men who feel it's a harmless pastime. So not only do they lose, not only can it be addictive, but they feel that it's harmless. In these devices, in these sports betting companies, set it up for you to, to become addictive and to feel like it is harmless. Hey, $5, place a $5 bet and uh, we'll guarantee 200 in winnings or, or we'll match it. We'll give you $200 right in free money. And what happens is that you bet and maybe you win a little bit and you feel good and then you lose. And then when you lose, you feel you got to bet more to overcome those losses. And then you lose again. And it's just this downward cycle. Very, very, very few, I think it's less than 4% of people who gamble, see a profit long-term in gambling. And so we have this confluence of men with no direction or limited motivation, access to virtual world where they can get that dopamine hit with video games, gambling, online pornography, takes them out of the real world, takes them out of society. And then we're wondering why we got a labor crisis in this country. We're wondering why men are not motivated. We're wondering why men are depressed. We're wondering why men aren't starting families. And I'm not, you know, again, I'm also not saying that, you know, social media and, and the internet are the worst things in the world. I use them every day. I depend on them. You know, harnessed in the right way, they're extraordinarily powerful technologies, but they're also extraordinarily powerful technologies. And if we don't appreciate that, and if we don't teach our young men a better way, and we don't disciple them in a better way, um, we've got a whole generation of Gen Z, and, and I would argue millennials are, are right there with them. Um, that we're going to lose. And we've got to have a society, as I talked about, of men and women working together and working hard, being successful in their careers, building families, contributing to society. And I'm worried. I'm worried. And um, let's go to the Uncle Brandon advice um, because we'll talk about I don't know if we're necessarily going to be able to talk about solutions, um, but I want to go to the Uncle Brandon advice and at least um, um, offer some help. So that's coming up next. Stay tuned for Uncle Brandon advice. But let me hit you with some knowledge. All right, welcome to the Uncle Brandon advice segment. This is where I give my opinion. So in the facts over fandom, the first segment I try to stick to facts. And in the second one is where I get to kind of opine on issues. And what I want to talk about today is if you need help. So if you listen to this episode and, hey, I've got a gambling addiction. I've got a pornography addiction. I got a video game addiction. I got a substance abuse addiction. I'm, I'm dealing with some mental health struggles. I've got something else going on in my life. If you need help, 
please get help. It's okay. It's a sign of strength. And for men, you know, being a man, um, that can be really, really difficult to admit, really difficult to admit. But it's a sign of strength because you need to be well. If you want to perform the best for your family, for your job, for your community, for society, you have got to be well. And sometimes in life, we're not well. And whether it's a traumatic event that happened, or if it's just been a series of small events over time, and maybe you know you could be doing better, but you're having problems with that. Maybe you don't have the tools and the resources that you need, and you just need somewhere to start. It's okay. Part of this is education. This does not need to wait until it becomes a full-blown crisis in your life. Maybe you're just now starting to feel some anxiety or some depression, and you don't know, you don't feel like you have the tools and you need to learn. Great. We all do. We all need to learn. It's why you go to school. It's why we want you to, to go to high school so you can have the basic skills to get a job. And then it's why you go to college so you can get advanced skills for advanced job. This is no different. If you don't have the skills to deal with some difficult things in your life, well, let's go get them. And here's a place to start. So I'm going to share my screen with you here. The Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration can be really easy with these guys. You can call 1-800-662-HELP, 1-800-662-HELP. I'm going to move my face over here. Or if you're in crisis, text 988. Even if you're not in crisis, you can text 988, give them a call. Are you dealing with substance abuse? Are you dealing with depression? Are you dealing with anxiety? Are you dealing with compulsive behaviors? If so, get some help because men, we need you. We need you out here, young men. You are valuable. You've got worth and you're needed in society. We need strong men. We need strong women to help lead our organizations, to help lead families. And you can only become strong if mentally you're okay. And from day to day, you're going to, you know, you're, you've got your peaks and valleys, you know, for the most part, I'm pretty consistent, you know, but there's some days that are a little bit harder than others. And I'm very, very thankful that I've got the tools to deal with that. And I'm very thankful that God blessed me to where I can handle a um, large amount of stress um, that comes into my life and I'm still able to stay um, pretty cool. But yeah, um, I'm not immune to mental health battles as anybody else. I've got the tools and the experience to handle them a little bit, handle them a little better. But none of us are immune. So if you need help, go get help. And that's my Uncle Brandon advice for you today. So heavy show today on a Friday. Um, but I think it was a show that was needed. And if you know a young man who's struggling, or if you're a parent, please share this with other young men, share this with parents. Let them know what's going on and check in on the young man in your life. You know, guys, we don't like to talk. I hate talking, especially about emotions or, or anything intimate. I hate talking about that stuff. And I'm just not a, a very um, affectionate guy. 
Um, I just don't like talking about those things. Um, but if somebody checks in on me, like, hey, how you doing? And, and they really mean it. Like, yeah, I'll talk with them. You know, and sometimes that's all it is. It's just when you when you go to talk with somebody, you know, just really mean it. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm I'm fine. Are you really? Anything going on you want to talk about? And just leave it at that. You know, men will talk to you or they won't. But sometimes it's good to just have that person. You know that if I'm in crisis or I need help, you can reach out to. And if that's you and you don't want to reach out to um, the substance abuse hotline or the mental health hotline, reach out to me. I'll talk to you. Hit me up Instagram or X at FOF underscore show Instagram or X at FOF underscore show. So that's going to do it for this week. Next week, I'm I'm sure it'll probably be a a lighter topic. Um, we'll, We'll dive more into that intersection of sport, business and culture. But until then, have a fantastic week and we'll talk to you soon. 